Blog Talk Radio. Now you would think, considering the fact that it's Saturday and technically it's not a work day, who am I trying to kid because literally I work every day, uh, that I would be on time for my show. But shocker, I'm late again. Surprise. Well, you all know me, so you already know I'm late. My apologies to Robert, of course, which we will get to him in just a moment. Just want to do a couple quick reminders that, yes, I'm on the air tomorrow. I'm hopeful that I will have a printout on who I'm having and at what time. I know that sounds bad, but busy, busy week, folks. It's been rough to try to keep up with everything. So my guess would be it'll be another 1030 a.m. Central Standard Time show. So make sure that you go ahead and go over to the Sins Chat Corner page. Check that out. Check out my Facebook social media page that I know that as far as that goes. So That'll take care of that business. Obviously, reminder, as always, with every show, if you have a film to submit to me, if you have a TV pilot or music video, artisalivefilmfestival.yolasite.com. Go to the section where we have the Art is Alive Festival Los Angeles, since we all know New York is done. Submit through that way or go to Film Freeway and look up Art is Alive Film Festival Los Angeles. So that takes care of that good stuff. Uh, This is the first time you're going to hear about this this morning, and I'm making an announcement later. But we've had a shift in priorities, or should I say I'm just so frustrated that I must shift my priorities. So um, I'm going to be uh, switching gears a little bit. I'm going to continue to do PR, but I'm going to be doing it for much um, much different purposes. I've been finding that I've been representing clients that are literally just draining me, literally draining me in many senses. So we're going to continue to work with the wonderful people, obviously, at TTAF, which is a film festival in Los Angeles. Um, I'm going to be representing another filmmaker. I'm going to be representing another musician. I like my creatives. I like my independence. So I think we're going to stick with that. We'll have some announcements today about my TV network. We'll have some announcements about the direction of where I'm going. So super exciting and changing time. I want to say a quick thank you to so much. So, so appreciated to the people that have reached out relative to the child that we lost in the school district, as well as to my dear friend, Stacy Radden, who just recently passed away. We talked about this again, and I'll reiterate it one more time um, from yesterday's show. Obviously, there's a center core subject lately, and that's been we've lost some wonderful people to suicide and cancer. So obviously, there isn't much that one can do about the cancer side of things. But as I reiterated yesterday, which I'll say again today, if you're listening to me, if you listen to me regularly, if you're listening for the first time, and if you ever get to a point where you feel as though you're breaking, you're broke, you're alone, you're sad, you're desperate. I have a phone, I have an email, CIN4251, I have a social media preference, I have uh, tons of pages, tons of outlets, I have direct message. Even if you're a perfect stranger, if you're listening to this right now, you're not alone. And never, ever, ever get to a point where you feel like you're that alone. And if you are, please reach out. It's just so devastating to me the losses that we've suffered lately. So um, I just wanted to make a note on that. And then the last thing before I get going on my interview is I want to remind everybody submissions close October 28th. Notifications will go out the first week of November. And then December, the first week of December, will be my film festival in Los Angeles. And in case you didn't hear, yes, I got talked into doing a third year of the New York City-based Artists Alive Film Festival. Look for details on that. And also, just to remind you folks, I did know that I put up the event page for John uh, Gallagher's screening of the moon. Unfortunately, we're going to have to push that back because my schedule has changed. So look for a new date in November on that, as well as I'll be posting today about my doing a panel in New York City about both product placement as well as actual uh, setting up distribution Um, just watch for the news because, frankly, I'm still solidifying all that good stuff. 
Okay, so I don't have to talk anymore, and I'm going to get to listen to Robert talk for an hour. Let's get him on the line and start talking about his projects, not mine. Hi, Robert. Hi, Cindy. Oh, it's a whole big Saturday morning full of news and information there. So, so sorry it took me a little bit to get to you, but I'm here. I'm actually present. I'm in the building. I've been listening. <laughs> well, hopefully I sound okay for a Saturday morning. I'm not used to being on on the weekend, so this is a very, this is a rarity. My listeners will tell you I normally am a Monday, Friday kind of girl and take the weekends to kind of get caught up on stuff. But I'm so excited that you're here and how ironic that Valerie was on yesterday. I don't know if you got to listen to her interview or not, but she was here yesterday. And now here you are today, you, in the flesh. In the flesh on the phone. In the flesh, on the phone. So I appreciate you taking the time to do a Saturday gig for me. I truly do appreciate it because it's tough sometimes. So, And I think we get a better listening audience on a Saturday. So I think this just worked out very nicely. So I just want you to know how much I appreciate it. And I hope I didn't take you away from the farm because I assume this is your busy time, right, on the weekends? Or is it? Uh, well, you know, first of all, I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled to be here with you, as always, uh, being Thank with you, you. is a thrill. Um, on the farm, uh, we go, you know, Seven days. Every day is the same. Right. <laughs> the horse got to eat <laughs> and poop, and that's that's pretty much every day. <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, since we started on the farm, that's kind of where I want to start off because obviously, of course, um, it's pretty rare that I get somebody. I've had an urban farmer on the show who's from Wisconsin, but I haven't had somebody who does your line, which is, of course, you have horses, etc., at the farm. So, if you wouldn't mind, tell your listening audience first off when you started with the farm, and second of all. What made you and your wife want to make this a primary purpose in your life? You know what I mean? Because that's a big commitment. Uh, yeah, we we were um, we were living in Brooklyn. Uh, my my wife was is a uh, designer, uh, a writer, and um, we thought we saw Craigslist buy a farm in the Cat uh, Craigslist ad buy a farm in the Catskills, and we did. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh my gosh! We thought it would just be a weekend or a summer thing. Uh, my wife want, is an artist, also she want to have retreats out here. I'm a writer. Every writer's got to be, you know, have a farm that they could get lost on. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. So it was, you know, just the typical type of Brooklyn. Oh wow, the Catskills! How beautiful, big land and all. And um, then uh, we. Um, we had been living together for quite a while, but we actually got married up here on the farm then. Oh! As a wedding gift, I gave my wife two horses. Um, because Aww. now we had, a, and that kind of started things off. We had no idea about, other than having ridden as kids, we really had no idea about horses, and. Um, we also had no idea of the the desperate need that horses have. Um, horses are being sent to slaughter every day, abandoned, and what we uh, ended up creating was a, a horse rescue, a horse sanctuary, Rosemary Farm Sanctuary. So, okay. Um, you know, it just evolved uh, out of us having some land and seeing a need. So I have a question. 
when it comes to dealing with, and, and I've heard this before, some people will tell me that dealing with animals is a lot like dealing with humans in a lot of different ways, obviously. I mean, I'm, clearly I'm guessing you're up quite early because obviously horses don't have a time clock like we do as humans. But one of the things that I want to ask you about is this, because you're a busy guy. You know, I mean, you're not just a writer, not just a producer, not just a director. You do a multitude of hats all the time. So... Um, do they sense that, meaning that obviously do you give as much devotion and dedication to them and 100% hands-on, and how do you juggle that? Because holy hell, that's like a whole job day in, day out, seven days a week, right? Like you're saying. Yeah, it is, and, and that's more my, my wife's job. She, has, um, she is the director and, uh, of, of uh, Rosemary Farm Sanctuary, I'm kind of just the uh, 24/7 volunteer. <laughs> um, ah, okay. <laughs> I, we do we keep horses a little differently here. We don't have as many stalls as we have horses. Uh, they live in herd okay. group. Um, okay. Which is a wonderful way. And if you if you come to our website or our Facebook page, you'll see it's a beautiful right. place. Um, Nat, uh, Nat, Nat Geo did a, a, a six-minute piece on us. Um, the horses right. live together. They love people. They always run over to us and see us, and we give them, you know, we ha- we do have the farm has uh, workers, so their people are with them, you know, uh, every horse on our property is seen uh, at least twice a day, um, you know, and, and fed and taken care of and, Medical and all those things. It's a big job, and it it is also a uh, fairly big operation. And as I said, it is my 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 wife is a director. I do you know as much as I can to help around here. Um, right. When I'm writing and doing my other things. Um, so you know it's daily chores with having animals. Uh, we have a couple of, of the course. horses around the house that are older and. You know, we'll see them all the time, but uh, uh, they are horses. They do. They do like to live mm-hmm. together and run the fields and 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 be horses. <laughs> well, which is what they do, of course. That totally makes sense, actually. And the cool part I see is when I was on the Facebook page, and people should know this. You you do different promotions and events and things like that because I saw your $5 Fridays thing and so I'm like curious is this something that happens on a weekly basis you do different sorts of promotions and events to to try to bring people out there and actually see the sanctuary yes well um, the sanctuary is a 501c3 it's totally supported on donations um, mm-hmm. it's a and uh, there are many many different uh, fundraisers or events uh, coming up actually next weekend, we have Pony Palooza on the farm. Ah, which okay. Our our yearly event, uh, which uh, attracts a lot of people. In the summer, we okay. have uh, open tours every Saturday, um, and then you know the, the there's a lot of fundraising going on because it's very expensive. Uh, we currently support over 85 horses um, in our short. Five-year, six-year existence as a nonprofit, we've probably helped wow. close to 300 horses saved, rehomed. So it, it's um, and it's and there, you know, we have no government assistance or anything. It's all it's all uh, private donations. So that's how oh, wild uh, is that? That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, it, it's 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 an operation. It's, it's, 
I give all the credit in the world to my to my wife. Uh, I just uh, I just help her any way I can. And that's awesome. And you should be really, you really should be congratulated for that. Anytime I see an individual that spends so much of their time dedicating it to a labor of love, because this truly is, you have to have a confounded commitment to this. And not only that, when you're relying upon donations, it's not like you're fully funded and all that good stuff. So you need to have stuff coming in on a regular basis to take care of this. So that's pretty badass. So congratulations on that. I just think if you haven't heard it recently, that's an amazing accomplishment. And thank you for doing that. And I'm sure that they appreciate it as well, even though they probably don't talk to you or they do in whatever manner they do, but nonetheless. Well, um, <laughs> well, you know, it's one of those things. And speaking of which, because we are talking about your wife, so you've been married for the last 10 years. So I always like to talk to Romance Factor on my show. Why? Probably because I've been single forever in a dirt's age. And so I always feel as though having the right partner always is a compliment to you personally and professionally. So if you would, tell us a bit about your wife as well as um, tell us how she ended up on the cover of Holistic Horse. That's kind of badass too. Oh yeah, that's uh, she's a, so I'm I am married to a cover girl. I like to tell people. Uh, um, she um, well, she, you know, she's doing a lot in the horse community. We're one of the you know she's created this this uh, place that is a um, is one of the largest horse sanctuaries on the East Coast, and um, mm-hmm. so she has a big following. We met actually doing a TV pilot that I wrote and produced in the city way back when, and she was my uh, production designer. So um, we met on that. So we, you know, we're in the industry together when we met. Um, Okay. And and as I said, we we married up here actually on Thanksgiving 10 years ago. So that's coming up. (laughs) Oh my gosh, look at that. How exciting. Are you going to do something special? Obviously, or can you not give well, it away? Because you might be listening. We, we celebrate on Thanksgiving every year, so that is uh, our Thanksgiving and anniversary together. That is very, very cool, actually. And does she ever come to you because she's so, uh, you know, that's the, I thought of that yesterday. I'm like, okay, well, Robert does film. So I'm like, I wonder if she ever said to you, hey, honey, you know what, let's take a bunch of the horses, put them in the film, put me in the film, et cetera. Does that ever occur to you because it's such a part of your life and such a base for you? Well, I'm, that is my next film, a short that is a, a narrative. I'm not oh, yeah. sure if you're talking about a, a narrative or a documentary, because, of course, we keep planning we need to do a documentary on this place. Okay. But, oh, of course um, you do. Yes, and, and she is also, she's an artist and a designer, so she would be, she is part of my, you know, when, I, when we are doing uh, that work, she is part of that work, too. Um, okay. Uh, so... Uh, yeah, I mean, we, we, we collaborate on everything. <laughs> oh, how sweet is that? Yeah, because that's the first thing that came to my mind, and we'll get into that, obviously, that movie that's coming up or the one that you're working on right. doing, but I just thought, well, how cool is that? Um, I also think, to folks that may not know you, you actually grew up in Illinois, which is 90 minutes away from me, basically, which is so awesome. I, I see that you travel back and forth. Skokie, be exact, so folks aren't thinking yeah. of Chicago, of course. Um, and how wild is it? Now, I find this interesting that you grew up in Illinois and then you made the jaunt to, Ill- to Los Angeles at the age of 19. Now, that I find interesting because, of course, I complain all the time and I constantly say about how you're either a New Yorker or in L.A. I don't think you can be both. There are some that are bi-coastal. So I, I'm curious why 
you as a young man took the leap from Illinois to L.A. at such a young age and why? Tell them a bit about your journey from being here as a Midwesterner and going off to L.A. because that's quite a jump at a young age. Yeah, um, I, I, I tell people we were a little different generation. Uh, I was anxious to get, I mean, I moved out of, as soon as I got out of high school, I was out of my house, my mom's house. Right. I didn't want to. We weren't we weren't the basement dwellers of of now. Uh, right. Uh, when I was uh, I also I grew up in 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 Illinois in uh, in northern suburbs of Chicago. I also spent most of my summers up in Elkhart Lake, Wisconsin, at a at a theater. Camp. Oh my God! Okay. Um, I was in the theater and I was involved in theater from a young age and uh, okay. film and. Was an, an interest also, and when I got to this point where I wanted to, you know, leave the nest, um, I actually did live in the city for for uh, a year or two, and I was, um, you know, t- taking classes at Second City, and um, I decided uh, I, I was either going to go east or go west, and I decided to mm-hmm. go west. <laughs> it, it, I think and continue I, I had, to do I had, so. I had, lived out there, so it was a little easier. I didn't know anybody in New York at the time. Ah, okay. I get it. And Uh, when you're 19 and you're in L.A., and now at the age you're at now, because I see you travel back and forth between here and L.A., obviously. So when you're first there, I mean, I I know what my experience is like the first how many times that I'm 49. I'm like, it's all-consuming, you know what I mean? It's very, they're all very in there. They're a very different climate and culture there. Um, So tell me a bit about what you've learned as far as, like, I have listeners here that are are venturing out, becoming creatives and and thinking, oh, i got to get to L.A. So tell them a bit about what they can expect and, and what sort of success did you find when you first got there or even now as you continue to go back? Wow. That that's that's a big question. Um, <laughs> when I went out there, you know, I I was I was a kid. Um, I was experimenting. I, I thought I you know I thought I was going to be. Uh, I, I thought a little bit about acting, though my passion was more behind the scenes. So I never really okay. did did uh, did venture that way. Um, and. Uh, I went to school out there a little bit for, you know, I went back into college for theater and um, then I, I went right into the industry uh, just, but as a kid, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't hard to do something in the tech industry. I was a, I, I was a scenic mm-hmm. artist in early days of music videos. Um, I worked on some, some of the first big video music videos which was an, an exciting time, and um, but you, you know when when you say what did I learn? I mean I did so many things wrong, <laughs> or I guess I just did do. Then uh, I so many opportunities slipped by me when I was young. I look back now and I say, um, and I and I wasn't good uh, I, I, at, at social networking. And obviously there was no internet social networking back then, but it, it it's still we're still in an industry of of social of networking. We always have been. Um, right. It really, other than the fact that it's online now, it can be worldwide. It was still true back then as it is now. Um, you know, people people get you people get you work, and and it's. 
it's not really when they say it's not what you know, it's who you know. It's not about right. It's not about that who you know has to be, you know, the biggest in the industry. It's just that it's a it's an industry of people, and people like to work with people they know, people they're friends right. with, and people like recommendations um, from from friends of friends. So. Uh, you know, one of the biggest things I, I learned in going back there now, uh, when I ventured back into the, I did take a break from the industry for 10 years, you know, which was coincided with starting this farm. Um, and when I came back, it was like, okay, now I got to do the social media thing because this is right. now. Mm-hmm. And, I wasn't, and, and I learned a lot from it. I learned a lot from it personally. Um, how to how to uh, because you can take what you do online uh, and 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 extrapolate that to your to your life and um, again networking it's it's meeting people how we met and um, mm-hmm. you know it's it's very important and I go back there now and uh, and right now I'm I'm working on uh, I'm in development of a feature film. And I work very hard at, uh, at networking for that because you know, things and, – and, and patience. Things don't happen in a time frame that a 19-year-old wants them to happen in. Um, oh, of course. You know, so learning patience, um, you know, being – just being more conscious of, of other people's needs and wants and how – you know, both people can be satisfied, both both parties that can be, you know, can get what they need, and that's the only time it really works. You know, one-sided relationships never really end up working out. Oh, boy, I totally understand that. I totally do, as a matter of fact. And I also know, because I follow you, of course, that you do frequent and, in fact, go back to L.A. on a relatively regular basis. In fact... Um, you were just there very recently, so I was going to ask you about that on my was the last trip to California, because it seems as though every time you go, you're always getting another project or something new is developing. So is there anything exciting that came from the last trip? Well, we're in, uh, I've been in development of this, the, the feature that I, I wrote, uh, The Manny, and, um, mm-hmm. it, and we're at a stage now. We, we have uh, distribution. We have... Uh, everything pretty much set to, to move into pre-production, and we are working mm-hmm. on our our lead. Um, we're talking with uh, some some good names and um, just trying to lock that up and and get in final the final and lock in the final funding. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh and, and we're we, you know we're looking for some people to participate in that some some producers and um but each time I go there we get a little further uh it's uh it's been a it's been a journey again that's another thing that um you know when you talk about learning uh it it's been a long journey and again it's not a time frame that I would have you know, oh, I'd like to write a movie and then start working on it the next month. Um, actually, I'm oh, doing right. that with short, but you can't do that with a feature. <laughs> um, right. Yeah, so I've had to be, you know, again, learn patience and working with people and um, 
and and so that is that's most of my time now besides family that I still have over in uh on the west coast most of my time there is is really working on promoting and uh getting this this movie in development sure of course and i don't or think people really realize into production i should say well, that, and that was just going to be my point. I don't think people really realize how much work really goes into the pre-production stage and finally trying to get everything all together. I, I'm doing a film myself for the first time, and one of the things I keep trying to stress to them, and they're professional actors, but sometimes I even wonder if the actors themselves really understand how much work is in pre-production. Just every little tiny thing that goes into the time before they get to step on a set and start doing what they love to do. You know what I mean? It, it's such... Yes. An endeavor. It's huge, isn't it? I mean, I'm overwhelmed by the amount of work and the amount of frustration <laughs> and struggle and irritation and, and excitement. I mean, it's like a whole slew of emotions, folks. I'm here to tell you. It's like you really, I almost feel like they need to give you a crash course. Like when you sit down one day and you realize, I want to be a movie maker, you really have to think about that. And not only that, I noticed something, and I wonder if you're the same. Lately, when I've been going to movies, and you've done movies before, this is my first, but I don't know if this means I'm becoming more of a filmmaker, but now when I watch movies, I'm not just watching them, I'm analyzing them. I'm literally starting to see where did it take to get this shot made? Where did they have to stand for that? You know what? I'm picking it apart now. Does that make sense? Does that mean Absolutely. something? <laughs> I hope. Once, once, you're, you know, once it's your industry, and I, and you, I work with actors, and as you know, I'm working with actors who are now producers right. on on my next short. Um, yes, I do think they they you know it, there's a little bit of a shock, a, a little bit of a, a culture shock once you move from being an actor to a producer, and oh, sure. you realize how much work it is to put a film together. And then, <laughs> as you were saying, of course, you know with with once you're in the industry, you look at films totally differently. Um, oh, God, which, yes. Why it's so enjoyable when some film just happens to take you out and you can just enjoy it. But if it's, if it's right. not that good, <laughs> then all you're sitting there doing is criticizing. And, and um, <laughs> you know, it's like, I that, or why didn't they do that? <laughs> And, well, um, yes, and I've literally done that. I've gone to films, and then my kids are like, Mom, and I'm like, I have to be honest about it because I do film review too. And I'm like, sometimes right. you ever just sit and you're like so excited to go see it, and then you're like, all you're doing, like you're saying, you're picking it apart. You're like, you know, maybe this person shouldn't have been this, and they probably right. shouldn't have done this. So I'm like, I just need to go to a movie and be quiet. I, that's my goal this weekend. There's three movies on my top list. Uh, of course, A Star is Born. You should go with your wife to that because oh. that looks absolutely good. I want to go see the Blake Lively movie with my girlfriends, which is what we were supposed mm-hmm. to do last night, that uh, a simple favor, I think it is. But I really want to see that, that Del Rio movie, the one with uh, Jeff Bridges. and It looks so uh, oh, oh, yeah. noir. It really looks yeah, like it, it will be engaging and exciting. It, it does look fun. It looks, it looks like a fun movie. So, you know, those are... Yes, that's exactly I, I, I right. I kind of try and gravitate... Uh, with what I do also, and, and I try and gravitate towards fun. <laughs> I'm, um, uh-huh. I'm not uh, all the, I, I don't want, I don't like, 
I'm I'm more enjoying movies that just take me out and make me laugh and and have a good time than you know exactly and the other spectrum of even the thrillers or the Marvel movies or the you know shoot 'em up or you know I just wanna I just wanna lay back and and watch something that makes me laugh these days. I don't blame you, definitely. And in today's set of affairs, it's like, oh, my God, it's just helpful to get an escape for, like, two hours and be like, I'm going to go off and do this or this, so I totally hear you. Um, I want to talk about something, because obviously most people that are synonymous with you right now obviously recognize either the things that you've written, whether it's in a book or whether it's in a play or otherwise. But before that, you did a couple interesting things. First of all, I want to talk about the fact that – you used to work at WNET in the new media department. I want to talk about that because I've not known somebody who came from there. I, lay, I know I'm familiar with that network, and most people may or may not be, so I would like to talk about how you got aligned with WNET, how long you were there, and, and what did you take away from that experience? It sounds like that would have been a really cool place to be. Yeah, that was that was a wonderful time. It was when I uh, uh, first moved to New York, um, I got the, I, I actually got the gig remotely, this, uh, um, and the new media apartment at the time was really new. They were just kicking mm-hmm. it off, and I was one of the first producers there. And um, I loved W, I, you know, I loved uh, WNET Public Television. Um, I thought it was very exciting to be involved in in something. Uh, like that, you know, um, something that is good for, you know, that's a community service, um, right? As well as in the, you know, in the industry, and it was, a, and it was a new industry. It was right when you know media was being combined with the internet more and more, and uh, what I, I worked there specifically, I worked on a game. Uh, nature game, which was in in conjunction mm-hmm. with nature, um, the series, and we actually shot a VR shoot in Africa while I was there. Wow! So I went to I went to Africa to to film and shoot VR to create a nature game, which was you know one of one of one of the cool things in my life, and definitely one of the bucket list things. <laughs> Oh, my God, yes. That's awesome, in fact. So does that mean I can tell my children that you could just develop a game for them? Because they'd be all over that. Like, if you could do something with Fortnite, they'd be like, he's the best guy in the world ever. It amazes me what they can do in these video things, virtual reality, yeah. video games, just the whole technology thing. I'm like, oh, my God, that's amazing. Just me. It's a little too high-tech for me. I, I'm having a hard time just picking out a damn camera to shoot a film, let alone trying to figure out the VR side of things. So I'm like, let's just try to keep right. life simple. Thank you very much. Definitely. Um, so, of course, I had to bring up the whole, your integration as far as WNET. But the other thing that I found interesting about you is um, your very first love was theater. Um, and I have a love of theater as well. And I find that not everybody shares that um, that same love. For some reason, I, I get the sense from people that they either love the screen, meaning that they absolutely want to be in film or in television, or they want to do theater. It's pretty rare that they keep gravitating back and forth, and I don't know why, because I think theater is an absolutely beautiful form. So tell me a bit about what it is, why are you so passionate about theater, and then tell me a bit about one of the most difficult plays you've ever put together, because I know you've done a number of them. Well, 
Um, as I mentioned, I grew up in theater. I, my my mother was in you know community theater, so I was very exposed to theater from a very young age. And then I went I went to a theater camp for many years, um, and I went into college really in the in the theater department. Um, mm-hmm. I I enjoy I love the theater. Uh, I think a lot of now nowadays, you know, when you go to New York and you think of theater and you see Broadway, it's a very commercial venue, and and the remakes of movies and it's just not. It, and people seem and people who aren't uh, raised or educated in it don't realize that you know theater is so much more than that. And it not not all not all plays have a song in them. Um, you know there is stage, there is there is drama and comedy that is not musical comedy, um, mm-hmm. and and I just uh, they are two very different things um, that that overlap uh, theater and film. Both of them, from a writer's standpoint, you're telling a story, you're trying to engage an audience. They're both creative art. Um, how you approach them and how you do them is 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 different. Uh, right. Technically, mystically, a theater uh, a play is a is a different script usually than a film. Um, I say that as I'm as one of my next projects, maybe next year, is to actually film one of my theater pieces <laughs> with uh, with very little change in the script. Um, mm-hmm. But but generally speaking, they're 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 different art forms um, that are that are very closely related. Uh, last year, at, uh, I I had a, a play of mine up in New York um, for mm-hmm. an equity showcase. It was called Basement. Uh, it was a drama. Uh, takes place in a basement. <laughs> Nine people trapped in a basement during the first bombing raid of the next war. Uh, ah, kind of okay. A, an evocative piece uh, did did very well. We pretty much sold it out. Um, wow! And that I, I would like to bring that. I think that would be a a, a good piece to bring to film. Um, I agree. Pretty much. Straight over. It's a it's a very realistic piece, even though it's on on the stage. So um, that that's another that is a project that you know I, I want to see if I can translate almost directly from theater to film. Mm-hmm. That does oh. sound really interesting to tell you the truth. I've been talking about that myself. I've written three plays, and I literally have done nothing about them. And, it, and it's not on purpose. I just literally, for lack of time, you and I are both very similar. That There's always something going on. You're involved with 57 right. different things. And I've often wondered about that. It seems to me as though in a lot of ways, now that I know more about film, oh, my God, I would love to just do a one- or two-act play. It just sounds so much easier. So I guess uh, that's where <laughs> I revert back to you, the expert, and ask you, Am I insane? Is it really as complicated? Because maybe it is. You know what I mean? I'm like, I'm making it sound like, oh, yeah, we'll just do a little one-act thing. And I'm not trying to minimize, but I'm like, is there some substance in, in looking for that simplicity within theater? Is that just not attainable? Yeah, it, it, it just, it, it, looks, it looks easier. 
Um, there are there are ways some ways that is easier, but mm-hmm. you know it's just like film. You could take out your iPhone and shoot a film, and some people you know, and you can get some enjoyment and get something out of it. On the other hand, sure. you're in development for a big feature, even a low budget feature where you're talking in, in you know millions rather than in mm-hmm. you know <laughs> uh, hundreds of dollars. Um, there's quite a range in film of how, how how difficult it is to do. With that said, even a, a short, you know, filming, it, it's still, there's, you know, again, d- development and producing is a whole process, and it's the same in theater. It's the same on stage. You have a whole gotcha. different uh, 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 set of variables and set of problems, Um Renting a place to do a theater, uh, do a play now is very expensive. Um, oh, I know. It's crazy. Unlike film, obviously you want to run with a theater. Now, the showcase that right. I did was a limited showcase, and it was it was it was to um, you know the next step would be to bring it to an off Broadway production. That is no simple feat. Um, there are a lot of elements, <laughs> a lot of moving parts. Of course, you're hiring actors for an extended period of time, unlike a film where, oh, you, you know, it's just you, you'll be shooting just one day. Um, there's going to be, you know, there's four weeks to eight weeks of rehearsal on most plays or more. Um, sure. Even before they, you know, they're on stage. So it is, there's a whole different set of variables, and it, it, and it is not really in any way cheaper or easier than than film. Ah, okay. Yeah, like I said, it could just be perception because obviously when you've never done it, you've just written it and not put it to the stage. Right. It looks a little different, but I totally understand I do. Also very cool, you've done articles for MacUp Magazine. I didn't know that until I started researching you, and I'm like, okay, tell me about MacUp Magazine. Can people see your articles and moreover? Talk a bit about magazine writing versus screenwriting. You know, I think when people people use the word writer as a very liberal term, meaning that when we all think about writing, we automatically assume that everybody works in every genre, and you literally do. I'm like, oh, my God, now we send magazines. And do you still contribute to publications? Because I was unclear about that. I was, um, I was, I was in, as I mentioned, the new media area. I kind of mm-hmm. shifted at one point in my career as 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 computers got more into media, um, I was there when it, you know when it shifted, and so there was a time right. that I was new media, um, which is basically creating media for uh, you know computers online. And uh, Mac right. Up Magazine was a was a, a German magazine, and um, I lived in Germany for a while, had a, a mm-hmm. new media. There and um, so it was. It was natural for me to, you know, I was going to con- conventions and going. It, it was kind of natural for me to to write about things we do. Just it's kind of like, you know, you're doing your your you have your your blog and even the the radio show. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a natural extension when you're there to express, you know, to people what's going on. And so right. that was how I ended up doing some articles for um, – I, I, I did a couple of different magazines. And 
Um, but they were mostly they were mostly on when I was in the new media division. Um, not uh, and I don't I don't I didn't continue that. I also I, I wrote some I helped write and co-wrote or be, ghost wrote some books on uh, on new media. Right. Um, uh, yeah, as a writer, you're writing, so things come up. You write about them, and and they develop into. I, I wrote a, a a book um, that was uh, um, that was a, a, a more of a, mm-hmm. a not a biography, but. Um, it was about it was Michael Jackson about Michael Jackson because I did. I was going to bring that up. One of the early um, one of the early music videos I worked on was Billie Jean, and uh, huh. had a little connection there. Not not that we were best friends or anything, but um, <laughs> okay. I had a connection there. So um, of course. And, uh, you know, so you write, you know, you write, I've, I've, of course, have one or two novels sitting around that aren't completely finished and ready to go. Who doesn't? Uh, Yes. I think think writers do venture into every, I think that if you're really, you know, there are filmmakers and there are writers. Some filmmakers that, you know, even if they write a script, they're not really, writing isn't, it's just part of filmmaking. Uh, writing mm-hmm. can be a smaller part because a, a film is a very collaborative art. And um, but if you're a if you're really if writing is your passion, I do think you end up. Do think most writers would end up, um, you know, venturing into every end of writing, whether or not you're successful or you take it to fruition. Agreed. Right. You, know, it, you, you want to dabble in and see how, you know, okay, I have my I have my book of poems sitting there in a drawer and, and I have a novel that hasn't been finished and a couple, He's such a writer. Know, That's so you know, true. That, you know, it's just, you you do dabble in it all and sometimes sometimes oh, it yeah. comes light and sometimes um mm-hmm. it's a drawer for many, many years. <laughs> It just blows my mind away, too, that that whole creative process as far as that goes. I think it's almost necessary for us as creative writers or writers in general. I think we usually are more disorganized. I won't lie to you. I have stuff everywhere. And I'm like, but I know where it all is. So I'm like, I'm not 100% disorganized. I'm like, I just don't have my stuff together. I'm like, we have piles over here, we have piles over here, and they're all creative, and they're all started, and they'll eventually get done before I'm dead, hopefully with any luck at all. But I think we all kind of have that same sense of things, just like some of my guests will tell me. I, I... uh, I'm not sure what your family background was like, but some of us have all had, I think, some form of tragedy, trauma, something. That seems to be characteristic of uh, creatives in general. You know, we've got tumultuous backgrounds in some parts. We have disorganized homes. We have unfinished written pieces all the time. I also think we're serial editors. I noticed that, too. I'm never happy. Like, I could be completely done, and I'd still read it again. I'm like, wait, I should have changed that. You know, so it's a never-ending thing. And then get this, folks. 
I wrote a notation that you put this down the other day, actually, in fact. It took him a whole four hours to write a short film. Who does that? I'm like, I can't do that. Okay, so now you've got to explain. How in God's name do you take a whole of four hours, by the way, not a day, not a week, not a month, four hours? How does that happen? Well, well first of all, it's a short film. <laughs> so, um, well, I get I, that, it, it, yes. It was part of, my, part of that uh, post that you're quoting there. The idea was that I had had, first of all, I'd had the idea for this film or doing some film that was kind of had this feeling to it for for years, maybe, for a couple of years. And then it actually happened at, at uh, your festival at Arts is Alive. I was speaking with mm-hmm. someone, and they said, yeah, everybody's always looking for locations, looking for bars, condos, jail right. cells. Like, why don't you just, you're, we're, we're shooting short films. Why don't you just write what you have, where you got? And I go, right. I, uh, I live on a farm. I have horses. I'm uh, also uh-huh. a volunteer fighter. I have an entire fire department at my access. Um, maybe I should write a film and use those things instead of trying to, you know, pay fifteen hundred dollars a night for a basement in, in Manhattan. Um, well, yeah, that's just it. I, and I think that they go above and beyond that. And, and I do agree with you 150%. It is, you can make it as hard or as simplistic as you want it to be. Um, because, yeah, folks, if you try filming in New York between the permits, between all the other stuff that goes along with it, I mean, am I wrong? You go broke just on locations alone. Locations and permits and uh, SAG. That's pretty much my guess right now on, like, all three. There, there are all sorts of complications. So I wrote, you know, I wrote. Yes. Uh, so I, I had this film in mind, and what I did is I spent three, four weeks writing it in my head. I mean, I had every shot and scene going on in my head, and when I sat down, I just wrote what was. <laughs> I just wrote wrote it as it played out in my head because I'd already sure already already figured every angle and. And knew exactly what the characters were doing, where they were, what they pretty much what they were saying. So, I wrote it down in four hours. I did. I don't know that I. Okay. That was the thing. I didn't. It, I wrote it. It was more three or four weeks of writing in my head. That 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 and that and that's the new the new piece that I'm shooting with uh, Valerie and Rob, who I also met at your festival. Ah, yes, I know. We were talking about it yesterday, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, get to ask Robert about that today, which we're going to get to eventually. I was like, I was just so thrilled. that, And I said it yesterday, this is exactly why I do the festival in part, because I want you guys to work together. You never met each other, didn't know each other, and now, look, they're creating. How cool is that? I think that's pretty cool. And that goes back to what I said about networking, which I was not very good at as a kid. I'm still... It's a lot of work for me to network. I, you know, when I walked into the, your festival the first time, there's this knot in my stomach. I don't know anybody. What am I going to do? Aww. Sit in the corner and drink. And it's like, no, you can't do that. Well, you so can, I, but it, you're not going to get anywhere. Right, exactly. So I, you know, I, I started just walking up to people and talking to them, right. which is, you know, trying to do what you do on Facebook when you just randomly. Oh, right. Them on somebody's post. Um, and, you know, that's how I met Rob and Valerie. And then we were sitting next to each other, so I talked to them, what's, you know, and, and then I saw their film. 
And then I mm-hmm. saw her again. And we, you know, we connected a little. I thought they were great. And, um, and then I had this idea. And the idea to try and put a film together so quickly, one of the things, obviously, actors, well, here were two actors who were also producers who also had this incredible chemistry together already. I knew that. I didn't have to build that. I didn't have to build it uh, or, or guess that it might happen. I knew they had the chemistry right. together to be on screen, and it just so that's why it was so natural. And, it, you know, it came from an event, you know, exactly what you do, what you've done, which is, you know, putting people together in a way. Aww. I love that. That's awesome. I do. I'm really excited about that, actually. Val's a, a, a terrific person. We had a great show yesterday. It was absolutely lovely. So I'm like, okay. Now I have to ask you, one of the things that I saw was that you actually went a total of 10 years without writing. How do you do that? Because I'm like, if I don't write something, I'll go nuts. So I'm like, oh, my God, you went 10 years. Now, was that? tell us if that was self-imposed or not. And um, for some, it can take a toll, meaning if you have a true passion for doing this and you're not getting to do it, it it's frustrating and it funnels you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There, no, there were some... Actually, I think during those ten years, I did. I, I actually wrote the 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 short play that became the film that was in your festival, um, and just sent it off to a theater that I had a connection with because they had a festival, they had a play festival going on. Um, there were some little things that I did during those ten years, um, working in in, in uh, with some people. I helped I helped edit some. Some of their books and articles, and uh, but I, it was yeah, it was kind of a self-imposed. It was certainly a step back from the industry. I certainly was completely out of the industry for ten years. Um, right. And uh, it just came out of frustration, and and as I said, I, I did a lot of things wrong in my in my other iterations, and I would I look back and would have done things differently, and missed a lot of opportunities, and I was frustrated at sure. the time. I, and uh, and I stepped back and I did some other thing and then we we ended up you know getting this farm and that took much of my attention for for five six years oh well, still does sure. but um, and then so then after ten years it was like I got to do something <laughs> I got to be I got to be back. well exactly that's why yeah that's why I thought that. Um, which was, you know, the first time I wasn't living in a major city. It was, I, I just, yeah, it, it took, it was that feeling that I just, it, and, and this time it was, it, you know, it just doesn't matter what happens anymore. It doesn't matter. I'm, I'm past looking for my Pulitzer or Oscar or anything like that. Um, all, all I want to do is I just want to be back on the boards. I want to be writing. I want to be creating. Maybe theater. Maybe film. Probably both. Uh, mm-hmm. And well, you know, and I'll do it for me if if I'm the only person who watches it. Um, and because it, it just it, it's it's something it, you know, it's something that's in you, and it's something you got to do. Exactly. And yes, it, in years, it was there was a you know there was a frustration, and and it did come out of out of my frustration of not having what I considered success. So I had to redefine my 
definition of success. Um, and um, and I jumped back in. Uh, it's about been about three years now that I've been back, and I've done. Mm-hmm. I have this one movie in development that is very close to going into pre-production. I have uh, mm-hmm. the film that was in your festival that was in twelve festivals. Yes. And, yes. And written. I have three other scripts that I've written. I had a play that was produced in New York. Um, so, and now I'm and now I'm shooting a, another movie uh, in November. So another short. So, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, I'm, I'm, I've been working, and again, like I said, it it, it come it did come from, you know, a, a, a rebuilding myself, right? you know, re, uh, uh, changing my priorities, changing my uh, my definition of success, and and um, and learning to network, <laughs> big part learning. And that's a big one, folks, and it does, and, and make no mistake, Robert isn't kidding when he says it, it is a learned um, trait because, like it or not, I wasn't always the same way, too. I mean, I would walk in. I would know how to talk to somebody. You literally start learning that every single person that you talk to every single day can be a lead to something much bigger, and you start to appreciate the fact that never take for granted the person you're talking to and how you could end up being spectacular together. I mean, there's just there's nothing... There's no two ways about it. It's just that simplistic. So it's a really good lesson or a point there. Now, before we start talking about your actual successes, and there's just so many of them, I just, oh, my gosh. I wanted to ask this. This just cracked me up. This is a fun fact. I was, of course, creeping on you because that's what journalists do. And I'm like, oh, my God. You literally, are you kidding me? You took your first Uber this year? You've never taken an Uber. That just blew my mind. I'm like, is he kidding me? Seriously? Yeah, seriously. You know, when I took a step back, um, I also took a – it was right as social media was coming up. And I had been okay. in the front of the – as I said, I was doing the new media department when it really was, you know, new to WNET. And I took a step back from social – you know, at that time. And then we came up here, and it was like I'm – and what I, what I said and when I came out, well, I went underground for 10 years. It was not just writing. I, I disappeared right. for 10 years. I had no social footprint um, for 10 years. And that was the okay. 10 years that, 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 that social media exploded. Um, also, living out here on the farm, we have very limited reception and uh, on cell service. There are no Ubers here. We, we have horses. Oh, right, <laughs> right. <laughs> I just blew my mind away. I'm like, is he joking me? Because it's like a and shock when someone says that to you. Like, what? And then if you're a New Yorker, remember, you know, Uber, you don't really need. Well, I, I guess I guess it's not. Now they're doing Uber in New York. It was. It took a long time for right. them to get in the city. And right. You know, I'm a subway person when I'm there. So me I too. Was, yeah, it, it was funny because it was. Uh, I was in Chicago and it was like. I uh, usually at, I'm used to taking taxis, and I said, you know what? I've never taken it. I've never done the Uber thing. <laughs> so. That is too wild. Oh my God, how funny! So there you go, folks. Now he actually has joined the Uber, the, the Uber generation. That was just too funny for me. I'm like, I totally have to ask him that. Um, okay, so we want to talk about the obvious, which is, holy hell, 
winner of Art is Alive 2018 award for best cinematography for his film called Sunday in the Park with DOG starring uh, Mason Reese, which we have to have a big shout out for Mr. Mason because he's absolutely phenomenal. So if you would please, to those that are listening in who haven't done the festival circuit and seen Sunday in the Park with Dog yet, talk a bit about um, the premise behind the film. And then second of all, what, what do you believe about your cinematography that just kind of pushed it over the top? Meaning tell the folks, what makes you the best of the best? Yes, I'm making you own your greatness right now. Well, as I as I mentioned, the the the, um, the premise came from a short play that I had written, my conversation with Dog, and um, as a play, it would have been taking place with two with two uh, actors on stage. The person acting as Dog would be not in co- a dog costume, but this is, you know, this is how theater is done a lot. And um, I decided I wanted to do a, a short film. And, I, and oh, this, this goes to exactly what you, you had said. I thought, well, I'll do an animation. That's easier. Okay. <laughs> I will do something. It's not. Here. You are so wrong. <laughs> I don't care what it is. I know I am. I get it. Um, okay, I get it now. At the time, I didn't, but I get it now. Well, that was the thing. I thought, oh, it's going to be it'll be easier. I don't have to have you know get the actors up here, the cameras. It'll be easier. It is not. It is just another set of problems. Um, but it did it did allow me to do something creative with this script, which was. Um, which is, you know, have an animated dog. There's symbolism right. in it. So the the, the, uh, the I, I bring in a lot of symbolism from the um, from artists, from the uh, impressionists. Um, obviously, just the title um, Sunday in the Park with Dog. Uh, um, references back to um, Thoreau and uh, there's right. also uh, McGree in there and a little bit of uh, and the scream <laughs> shout out to the so it, uh, doing an animation allowed me with this particular script allowed me some freedom that I thought would, would really uh, would really lend itself to the script um, okay. And, and that showed, and, and you asked about the cinematography, reckoning back to my wife, who did all the background art in this, because she's an artist, all the watercolors. So the look has very much, uh, very much came from her. Uh, I would mm-hmm. kind of consider her almost the cinematographer, because that's what, you know, the, they, they paint the picture, and that's literally what of she course. did. So um oh, cool. working working with her um it had a I think it had a very pretty look. I always thought it had a very pretty look to it and as I said I thought that you know being able to uh bring in the the art and the references to the impressionists um was was a was a great addition to doing this in or a great reason to do this as an animation rather than right. as, uh, a live action. So it changed a little. The script changed from the from the theater script. The name changed. Um, 
and I was able to put in these references. I got, I had to direct, voice direct actors, which I had never done before, which was different, another different thing, different than directing stage and different than directing film, is directing voice. Um, and that was exciting. That was a, 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 you know, big learning experience. I learned a lot. Oh, I'm sure. So, gotcha. Um, oh, I totally get it. And, folks, just so you know this, and I'm not blowing smoke, obviously I knew Robert before he submitted, and so I'm pretty a staunch believer in if I know you, I can't judge you. I did screen his film. I sent it off to my other judges. And I won't lie to you, he did not win easily, meaning we had some amazing, amazing projects with just high-tech technology, absolutely amazing cinematography and special effects for the budget that they had. They really did an incredible job. I was so proud of all the work all that all of you put into the cinematography, not just you, obviously you won, of course. And so I was just so elated when it came back and it was you. I was like, you know what, this is amazing. I, I was just completely elated for you. So you really do need to know that, you, that all that hard work paid off. And like I said, it wasn't an easy decision. Absolutely not. I mean, I get to see all the winners, but I don't get to judge you. So I'm like, it was just amazing. So huge congratulations on that one. I was just so thrilled to be able to do that at my festival, of course. Um, there's been other films you've done, like he's got The Wiccan, Psych Ward, A World Away. Tell me about Manhattan Crawl. Of all the different projects you've done, that one just kind of creeped at me. I was like, i got to talk to him about that one. So tell us a bit about uh, Manhattan Crawl, the backstory to that. And moreover, oftentimes when you do films, now are you doing them and are getting distributed, or are these all um, – I want people to be able to know if they can actually stream you. You know what I mean? Go look for your projects, be able to watch them, because they could be listening from all over the world right now. Well, Manhattan Crawl is online. That was a, that was a pilot. That was an idea for a series. Um, okay. Which took place in a bar in Manhattan, or on the crawl, which is uh, – um, and this, that was actually the, the, the piece that I met my wife in. She was the produ- production designer for that. And uh, we shot that in Manhattan, and um, it the premise is it, it was a Cheers-like premise, um, just from a more of a urban Manhattan type of viewpoint. Um, it was also uh, it was done quite a while ago, and it was in the you know earlier days of cable of of when cable was doing uh, when. Uh, uh, HBO and Showtime started doing their own series and stuff, and you could, well, you can swear. <laughs> so it was an adult comedy. So, you know, if, you, if you, you look at Cheers, you know, people in bars don't talk that way um, because they right. couldn't on CBS in 1985 or whenever it was. Um, sure. <laughs> um, so this gave me the freedom to to make an adult comedy where there was adult situations, not not nudity or sex adult comedy, just adult situations. You know the the language was the way people speak in bars, especially in Manhattan, and um, right. it also had a big hook in it, which I'm I'm sad that it never did get picked up or developed. Was one of the ideas was that there was a band that played at this bar every week. And it would be tied into uh, into real bands um, and selling their music. So uh, it was it was a cool project, and I worked many years on just and and there is uh, one episode online. 
Uh, but it did not get picked up. And at that time, Aww. I didn't have the fortitude to do it myself. I did the one episode myself, and I didn't. I just, I mean, now I would have said, why? Well, I, I should have just kept filming, just kept doing it until somebody picked it up. But I didn't. Um, I, I was trying to sell it the traditional way, and um, but that's, you know, this is this is what happens in our industry. You can't you can't get sidelined one one project that doesn't doesn't get made. Um, so uh, I like it. I, I I don't know that it would it would ever get made now at this point, but uh, I'm proud of it. So, and it's a nice piece. And the one episode that we did. I love it. I think it's a lot of fun. It's uh, it's on YouTube, Manhattan Crawled. Um, exactly. And he does a lot of this. You do a lot of fun projects that are interesting that add your – you inject your own spirit and your sensational writing into every project that you do, in fact. And I see the same trend over and over and over again. That's one of the reasons why I was so intrigued. Even before I knew you knew me and I was watching you, I was very, very excited, um, you know, I just I was terribly excited to be able to work with you to showcase your work, et cetera, as far as that goes. Obviously, I'm excited about your current productions. Um, as you started to say, the Manny, of course, is in pre-production, so I'm curious to ask when we might expect to see something like that. And then in terms of uh, talk about, obviously, the GoFundMe campaign for buying the farm because people are still available to be able to contribute to that, correct? That's correct. Um, to, to start with the Manny, it's... Um uh, we're very close. I'm hoping to be shooting early next year. Um, we do have, we actually do have um, an actor uh, that you would recognize a name, but we are not completely, we are not signed, and we're not divulging. Ah, uh, okay. Um, sure. I keep hoping that we get that completely locked up so I can promote it. Um, I'm very excited about it. Uh, again, it's it's a process, and you know I just have to keep reminding myself another thing that social media, you know, connecting writers who who sometimes don't connect because we're very, you know, introverted people. But hearing oh, stories right. of this film took me five years, this my career took me eighteen years to get, you know, to get going. It's it's a it's a, you know, the industry is not an easy industry, and it's it's not always nice. You know, or, and and you have to have a thick skin, and you have to just keep keep going at it, and uh, you know, and then all of a sudden, maybe you'll be an overnight success after twenty five, thirty years. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Correct. You know, it's one of those things. Absolutely. Oh my God, look at this. This happens every time. I schedule a radio show. We've been on here an hour and fifteen minutes. Can you believe this? I, I say this all the time. I'm like. I must have a really good connection with people or I'm interesting or it's, and, and I'm going to go back to it's my guests that are the interesting ones. Absolutely. Not so much me, but you obviously. Um, just so you folks know, the GoFundMe campaign is currently up. It's on my social media page. It's on the radio show page. It's going to go on to my YouTube channel as well. Approximately how long do folks have before the campaign shuts down, just so I understand it? All right. So we, I have to tell you this. We're in the process because this happened so fast Buying the Farm was a working title, and oh, we decided yeah, right. and changed the title, and we were starting a new Indiegogo campaign because um, we had some problems with it. GoFundMe has changed its platform a little, so we're, we're slipping over sure. to Indiegogo as we rebrand 
the movie called now called That Good Night. Okay, that's right. Valerie mentioned that, as a matter of fact. So that's going to change over, and you'll be able to see that. Um, and obviously, to those of you that don't know about GoFundMe, it could be a matter of a dollar, two dollars, five dollars, ten dollars. Indie filmmakers will take anything, literally anything that you're willing to give us. It's just that simple. And I say it all the time because I'm like, that's how we make our bread and butter, obviously. That's how you get a project made. And people don't realize, I think, unless they're giving $20, $30, they think they're not doing anything. And I'm like, yes, you are. You have no idea the impact that you've got. Absolutely. So we'll, we'll get well, without new, a doubt. new links. The, old, the, old, the GoFundMe page is still up. Um, we will mm-hmm. be shifting over to the new... The new uh, Funding campaign and, and the new we have a brand new poster <laughs> and the new title which we're all very excited about. Um, uh, as I said, I mean changing a name is not a it's not an uncommon thing to happen during the development of a film. So um, we just uh, we're just uh, excited Funny. to to this thing. It's it's going so fast and we decided to do it so fast partially because of weather because it's an outdoor sure. It's, a lot of there's a lot of exterior shooting in this. Um, there was a lot to put together in a very short time, but um, Valerie and Rob are great. Uh, they are actors turned producers, and I think this is maybe their third movie. So they have gotten, you know, they they're they're uh, they're very good at at changing hats, and it, it also. It helps to work with actors that have produced because they understand they're not as uh, as into themselves. They understand the whole process. Sure. I totally that, agree with you, one hundred and fifty percent. Yeah, so that's been that's been a, a great thing, and um, we're going to be shooting one. Of, as I said, one of the ways that you know this this movie hopefully will have a, a very. I will say a big budget, but a larger budget look is is I'm shooting with assets and set pieces that I own and I have control of and I didn't have to pay for big time mm-hmm. um, as uh, not to, to give anything away, but there is an accident scene in this film and uh, being a, a first responder, I've, you know, I've been on many accident scenes and I have a whole department and we do training, so I just sold it to the department as a training session. And so we're going to be filming a, you know, a, a scene that would cost a movie, you know, sixty, seventy thousand dollars to shoot. Sure. It's, it's well, now we all see, folks. Making a movie, making a film is a component. Uh, it literally is a crafty component type project where you need a little bit of everything, whether it's the writer, whether it's the director, whether it's people that fund it, the people that come on stage that with you, the people that actually bring the equipment, etc. It really is a full gamut sort of thing, and you make it look so easy, and I'm so in awe of you, my friend. I am, and, and thank you for spending all this time with me. Um, it's It's just been absolutely fascinating. There's a couple of work things we have to do before I sign off. Um, okay. 
first of all, I have to tell you within two hours or so, what happens is the episode becomes archived, and then what I'll do is I'll send you over a copy of the Blog Talk Radio link as well as um, a copy of the YouTube link that goes up there to my channel as well so that anybody listening in or if they did not happen to, because not everybody's free at 1030 in the morning Central Time, so that's why I'm like I put it up there for people to listen. I'm going to read off a bunch of different places to find you, so when I get done, if I've missed anything, please just um, let me know because I don't want to forget anything. The lovely gentleman that we have spent this morning with, his name again is Robert Rosenbaum. The name of the uh, film, that was the winning film, of course, was Sunday in the Park with DOG. If you look for him, um, it's actually Robert P. Rosenbaum as far as Facebook goes because he has a personal page. And, of course, he has a Facebook page for uh, Rosemary Farm, which we were talking about earlier. Two websites, R and then P-R-O-S-E dot com as well as rosemaryfarm dot O-R-G. He can also be found on IMDb. LinkedIn, Vimeo, YouTube, Amazon, and also as it relates to the film we were discussing, ManhattanCrawl.com has its own website. Any other places where people might be able to find you? Um, well, at the farm most of the time. With the yes. <laughs> I meant on social media, silly pants. Oh, at, um, no, I think you pretty much covered it. You're, you, are, do you have your private eye license also, Cindy? Cause, uh, uh, no, I, it's called being a journalist. And trust me, I can find out lots of things about lots of people. So I'm like, that's absolutely awesome. So I'm like, I'm glad that I got a chance to get everything and, and get that all caught. Again, I have to say how proud I am of you, how proud I am to know you. You are a very, very big stand-up guy in a circle of people that I know. Uh, and for me, that's a high compliment, obviously. Usually we have things called surprises on my show, but obviously, of course, the biggest surprise was on me when I found out that you actually can conglomerated with people from the festival and now you're putting something together. So I'm like, hell, he doesn't need me for anything. He's got these award-winning films, books, the whole nine yards. He's been on my show, so hopefully 64,000 people will love you, which would be awesome. Um, The last thing that I do on my show is non-scripted, and that is I get to tell you what I think of you. (laughs) <laughs> I don't write this purposely because I'm like, I want people to know what I think of this person because it's important to me. And then I'll let you get off on your merry day and I can go back to working. And word on the street is an urban farmer is coming to bring me some hard cider as we speak. So how wow. sweet. I got to do my show with you and I get to have a little booze while we're talking about putting together an organic wine line. So I'm super excited to see him. Stephen is a wonderful, wonderful man. Stephen Seafelt, he's been on my show actually. So it's awesome. So this is what I think of the dear, sweet Robert Rosenbaum. The first time that I talked to him actually was really more Facebook interactions. We had started becoming Facebook friends and mutual friends, and we got to talking to one another. And one of the things that I found so impressive when I'm about him, excuse me, is what a stand-up guy he was. The fact that he kept traveling back and forth between his home to take care of his family to me was extremely impressive. Number two He was just such a gentleman, a gentleman in word, a gentleman in will, a gentleman as it relates to his intention. He's always very friendly, very polite, very professional, very punctual. Um, These are all very good qualities that make for a very good filmmaker as well as a good writer. One thing that I don't think I've ever told you that I find so interesting about you is that you have such a very high intellectual level. I deal with all sorts of people from all different walks of life, but I find you highly intelligent, highly intellectual, highly intriguing in a lot of different ways. You know, like I said, I mean, 
there's this one part of him that's exciting because he's got this whole Hollywood type thing going on with writing and plays and film and all that good stuff. But on the other side, he's a simple man living a wonderful life with his beautiful wife on this horse farm. And I'm like, it's like having the best of both worlds, which is awesome. What I think is even more amazing is you are one of a few different people I know that stepped away from their industry for a while and was able to slip back on that shoe almost immediately and provide yourself with substantial success. That, my friend, is a sign that you're very poignant and very perfect in the position that you're in. My hope for the future for you is is that my award is one of about 75 that you get in the future. My other hope is that at some point in time that Robert says to me, we should conglomerate on something because I would welcome such an opportunity when my life isn't so insane, but I'm working on that right now. But most importantly, I'm just so blessed um, because it's, like it or not, or, or whether you know it or not, you are really one of the strong influences besides John Gallagher and others that convinced me that there's a purpose uh, for my festival to continue and to flourish and to stay in New York City. So I just wanted to say thank you so much for everything that you do. And thank you, of course, for just being my friend and being here. I appreciate it. That's well, what I, I think. I am so thrilled to be here. I am so flattered uh, by thank you. you. And let me say that uh, you said I don't need you and absolutely need you. So many things, I mean, so many things wouldn't have been possible without you. So you've you've been a great influence to me also, and I'm positive that we will be working together at some time in the future. Oh, that's absolutely awesome. I would absolutely love that. That sounds terrific. My goodness. Well, yes, please send my regards to your wife. I'll send out the links to this as far as that goes. Obviously, of course, I'll keep you in the loop on when Art is Alive is coming up next year. We'll hopefully have something. And just go and enjoy your day and your award, and, and I'm sure I'll be talking to you soon. Yes, I look forward to it. Sounds great, Robert. Have a great weekend. You take care. You too. Thanks, Cindy. All right. Bye-bye. Tell me he isn't just a beacon of badass talent, right? One more time, Robert P. Rosenbaum is on Facebook with his personal page, and Rosemary Farm is actually it's Rosemary Farm Sanctuary, but it's called Rosemary Farm on Facebook. He is on IMDb, Amazon, LinkedIn, Vimeo, and YouTube. The website for his professional works is rprose.com, as well as rosemaryfarm.org. Um, again, also Amazon, LinkedIn, Vimeo, YouTube, and of course the film we processed, ManhattanCrawl.com. And of course, one more time, congratulations, Robert, on a hugely deserving win for Sunday in the Park with DOG. We do now have confirmation tomorrow morning, 10.30 a.m. Central Standard Time would be motivational speaker and creator of Blindfold Games, Marty Schultz. 10.30 a.m. Central Standard Time, folks. I'm off uh, to go do a bunch of errands and a bunch of work. I will talk to you guys tomorrow morning. Thanks for listening. You take care. Bye-bye.